0: The good thing about real estate is that once you learn that the ability to underwrite a deal is extrapolatable to very, very large scales. So you can take the knowledge
1: learned maybe on the smaller scale and then build that up and scale it up in the future. So excited to have this guest on the show again. Uh, The first episode was so much fun. And hey, this is amazing. You want to listen to this. He's a a practicing orthopedic surgeon. And while he was still in residency, he started building his Real estate portfolio quickly built a two million dollar real estate portfolio and still practicing now it's grown to almost four million dollars multi-million dollar real estate investment portfolio. He shares all of his uh, learnings, his stories, even case studies, helping other people now. we're going to talk a little bit about this real estate md.com. everybody, please welcome Mr. Frankie Davis to the show. Frankie Davis, man, how is it going? It's been a little bit since we've chatted, huh? It's going great, man. Just busy working
0: and dadding and trying to be a husband and trying to do stuff on the side too. I'm sure you know how that
1: feels. Wow, wow. all of those blessings that God has given us all in one for little sure. one little thing there, and also it's made it difficult for us to get back together again because the the or, as an orthopedic surgeon, man, I think you call it picking up picking up cases, right? Is that Yeah. Yeah, you're picking up cases and, <laughs> yeah. and bump, bumping around and trying to get this time in on top of what I'm really want to talk about here is uh, the real estate investor MD. Um, yeah, last man. time that you came on that was that was in the works and we're talking about the dot com is coming, but it's up and running full blast. So I'm excited to talk about that your real estate journey and also the back end of this piece, because you're you're now sharing that knowledge and that experience with everybody, and there's so much of that platform too that we can talk about getting there. What does that mean? Sure. Because now you're an orthopedic surgeon doing marketing, got VAs, you know, leveraging time we talked about a little bit last time. So how all of that working? So let's just start here. Let's tell just a quick summary of medicine. Where'd you where'd you start? Where'd you end up? Last time we talked, if you haven't listened to this, if you're listening now, go back to season one and pick up uh, Frankie's episode in season one. It is awesome. Um it is definitely up there for highest downloads um, of the season. So go check that out. We talked about you walking through the the hospitals, like in bigger pocket forums, and like figuring this investor real estate world out. But just take us a quick run through of of your medical journey so far. Absolutely, man. So I, I live in Georgia.
0: I went the public school route, so I went to UGA for undergrad, MCG for medical school in Augusta, Georgia, and then we kind of pivoted and didn't go far, but went out of state to Chattanooga, Tennessee, for my orthopedic surgery residency. We then came down to Southwest Georgia, where I've been practicing general orthopedics for the last two and a half years. Um, My wife's from here, so we settled here and are enjoying the small town life. But that's a little snippet of my, my medical career, and things are going great, man. I couldn't be more blessed from that
1: standpoint. Awesome. And into orthopedic surgery. And do you come from a family of physicians? So my dad was a dentist, and I'm very, very thankful for him
0: and how hard he worked to get us. Uh, to a state where I was able to pursue kind of what I wanted to pursue. I knew very early that I liked healthcare. I enjoyed that aspect of watching my dad work and take care of people and formulate those relationships and communicate and take somebody who was, who was struggling from a health perspective and making them better. I enjoyed that, but I knew very early that I did not want to do dentistry. I didn't like mouths and saliva and having <laughs> nervous patients awake. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do medicine and see how it goes. And then very, Typical story, I got injured early, played sports growing up and and was exposed to orthopedists and orthopedic surgeons early. And I kind of very early on in early high school set my sights on trying to become an orthopedic surgeon and then just continued to try to check the boxes and was able to luckily get there,
1: which was nice. And when does real estate enter?
0: So real estate for me entered, and we talked about it briefly last time, but was kind of about midway through residency. I think it was the end of my second year. And my wife and I were married. We had a son in medical school. So we had one son and we're talking about our second child. You know, in in residency, you don't make any money. My wife was the sugar mama working full time as a special ed teacher. And we were trying to figure out what our next move was. And I had a lot of anxiety about our financial scenario. We were several hundred thousand dollars in debt from medical school, even from the public school route. I haven't saved a dime for retirement. And I was going to be exiting at 32 with no money saved for my kids' college funds or weddings or anything. And I was like, well, you know, what sort of leverageable potential do I have with all this educational dedication that I've had over the last eight years and have a few more going? What what can I do? And I felt like an ability for me to leverage my future income potential was something I should try to figure out. And I soon kind of came upon real estate and was hoping I'd be able to capitalize on bank financing and leveraging bank money to be able to invest and provide assets for my family in the future that could make
1: me money uh, down the road. And that's how we got involved. And real estate rolls around. And one of the biggest takeaways, too, is your direction of, of picking that up and when you picked that up so early in your career. And you were, I mean, you guys were all in. And um. When I say all in, I like the sweat equity piece. You were direct to seller. You found these deals. You found those uh, areas where you could create that air equity and were able to put uh, $2 million of assets in and no money down. Is that correct? So it ended up being $650,000
0: that we then force appreciated up to about the the $2 million range. So at our exit uh, for those properties, that's probably about where we were from an equity perspective after we turned them. But we did have $650,000 of no money down financing, basically just because of those networking conversations. So I think the most important thing from my kind of retrospective assessment of how things went is for people interested in getting in the game is just really have confidence in the ability to network and represent yourself over the phone, utilize digital resources and make things happen, you know, a little bit easier than maybe people could do in the past. And so that was that was something that I was blessed to be able to do while we we're in residency simply by calling community banks and saying, "Hey, I'm very motivated. I've learned a lot about it, trying to present myself in an educated manner." And then build the confidence that they would be able to have in me to then subsequently do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And um I love this question and going through your experience uh, and I I know you touched a little bit uh right in the single family dupes and I think you got even some quads in there if I'm if I remember right. Uh so tell me about this journey that you went on versus what what are you going to be telling other physicians in realestateinvestormd.com? Because it's a little difficult because it the exit strategy, the plan, the goal needs to align with who you are, what you want to do, how much time you want to put into it, how long it's going to take, what are you starting with, debt versus assets. So so it's a loaded question. For sure. in general, based off of your direction, say, so somebody similar to you, what would you suggest to to start in real estate?
0: That's a great question. I think that's a very multifaceted question for sure. I think... uh, In the beginning, my goal was to become as educated on the basics of underwriting a fairly simple deal. And I think the good thing about real estate is that once you learn that, the ability to underwrite a deal is extrapolatable to very, very large scales. So you can take the knowledge learned maybe on the smaller scale and then build that up and scale it up in the future. And so we started off small. I think that's very common for people to do. We bought a duplex first. and then. Subsequently rolled into some, some single family houses and determined what we liked about the multifamily versus the single family. Some people, you know, preferentially select single families for some, re- you know, for certain reasons. And some people like to expand in the multifamily space. The things we enjoyed about having more than one unit per roof is that you can expand kind of an economies of scale, even though a duplex is a small economy of scale where you're sharing expenses and minimizing vacancy. We very quickly realized that our ability to pursue larger deals left our ability to force appreciate those deals and give us higher returns for similar amounts of work. And I'll use an example. We bought a duplex in the beginning and knew that it was under market rent. We'd be able to do small turn renovations to add value and minimize the expenses by managing them as efficiently as possible. We did a very similar kind of peripheral management strategy for a 48-unit self-storage facility that we purchased. I believe it was our fourth deal maybe. And our impact on those two properties was very similar and the returns were exponentially better for the storage. So that was something that taught me. And I had heard this in podcast episodes where people said, you know, don't don't worry about the small stuff early. Go ahead and scale up as soon as you can, because the returns are in the scale. And I think that comes with a lot of anxiety for people. So what I would do is if you're interested in this as a future kind of long-term stable plan for your retirement portfolio, go ahead and set systems in place, even on the small scale that can then allow you to scale it up and do more. And, And I talk a lot about that in the course. We talk about how you decide what asset classes you want to pursue from a numbers and a didactic standpoint, but also from a passion standpoint, you have to be passionate about the asset class to some extent because you got to read about it. You got to vet the tenants. You got to do the renovations. You got to be confident and happy about what you've been able to achieve. So it's very multifaceted. And, and I think it's a malleable sort of thing that that's fluid and, and will evolve over time as you learn and grow. And so it's part of the fun, though. And that's what we've eventually done is, is stepped into different uh, asset classes in different spaces over the last four years.
1: Very interesting. And so much of the uh, ob- objective stuff can be in there. But the subjective piece, that passion, that interest, sure. those things uh, are really uh, a deciding factor on on how far, how much you can push into this thing. Right. You said something interesting. Returns are in the scale. Talk talk to us a little bit about that.
0: So I I mean just that, and so basically, if you imagine your ability to optimize the efficiency of a small property is very limited. So let's say I'll just use I typically use a hundred thousand dollar single family house, which who knows where you can find those nowadays. If you buy a hundred thousand dollar house that rents for a thousand dollars a month, let's say it's a percentage under market. Well, you can step in improve the cosmetic appearance, increase the rents, minimize the expenses best you can, and you've added value on that scale. Well, if you do that same thing to 40 houses, then your return is that much better. But it's difficult to do that on a one-by-one basis for 40 single-family houses. So the ability to buy larger deals, leveraging bank money, allows you to capitalize on that return potential and forced depreciation, which is your ability to manipulate those variables on a larger scale to achieve better
1: returns in a shorter time. Pardon my red lab barking in the back. She can't help Yeah, I heard heard him. So um, underwriting kind of being step one, uh, learning how to do that, but then really understanding, you know, what it is you like and what types of risk are you looking at or considering Basically building that that smaller step and then scaling from there right. and saying that the, the returns are in the scale, meaning that we can stretch these things out more as we add to this. And that brings me back to um, the website, realestateinvestormd.com. And I'm looking on here and one of the things I noticed I love is I've got a bunch of uh, like hashtag style things in here, medical facility, real estate. Are you even talking about that in, on, in the, uh, material?
0: We do talk about it briefly as, as a way for physicians who are comfortable in the medical space to, to formulate equity and a passive income stream. I actually don't do that personally. My geographic location required me to be a hospital employee, which is actually was a big motivating factor for me to get involved in real estate because I knew I didn't have a private practice opportunity that I could generate equity and passive income sort of in the form of ancillaries. I don't have that opportunity, but I think people who can do that, who aren't necessarily comfortable dedicating their intellectual bandwidth and their time outside of being a physician to something completely different can sort of figure out a way to kind of hedge their bets and leverage their position as a physician in that manner so we talk about that
1: briefly, although I don't have personal experience with that um and that's really going to come down to your specific journey too because different specialties are going to have different opportunities for sure um, you know and, and if you can find a way to invest in in these opportunities where you are building these facilities and setting up your structures so you have passive income coming from that, then guess what, man? All this passive losses in our real estate can offset that income. It's uh, it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I absolutely love that. Um, So I, I kind of joked around, but I, I want to learn a little bit more too about the other side of this because a lot of our guests and a lot of Um, the listeners will talk, you know, we will have things to share, right? Right. And this this beautiful thing to share in this particular case is real estate. Other physicians, you know, there are other types of um, coaching platforms, how to build business, how to take your product to market, these kinds of things. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey too, by putting this uh, website up. So tell us a little bit about uh, was, what are some big key takeaways getting this thing up and rolling from an idea to, hey, March 5th, we're having a webinar. So, yeah, yes, write that down, listeners, March 5th webinar to learn more about this. So where do we start from uh, and and what were the big takeaways in this process?
0: Absolutely. It's hard. It's hard to do. I think mm-hmm. one thing is perseverance for sure. And I definitely have had moments in time where my confidence has lacked And I felt like, you know what, I'm tired of pushing the boulder uphill. But when you have an opportunity to network with people who are like-minded and similar financial scenarios to you, and they understand this thing that you've been blessed with and had the opportunity to pursue and and have some success in, and then they start to get the fire lit under them and excited about it, then it makes those things worth it. I think my, my desire to pursue... Sort of online networking and online business and things like digital marketing and social media marketing started a while back, not necessarily with regards to real estate, uh, with books like The Four Hour Work Week and others, where you learn about the power of leveraging modern technology to your advantage. And that's kind of what led me to deciding, you know what, I, I actually set up a local real estate meetup group here where we live. We live in a small town and we didn't have one. But I felt like, you know what, I don't think I can really network and reach that many people through this meetup group. We would have 40 people show up, which is awesome, you know, face-to-face being able to talk about what's going on in our local market. But I just was thinking we could reach so many other people if we were able to to expand in the digital space and give them the opportunity to sort of bypass the hours hours and hours and hours and hours and hours I had to utilize to try to learn and become educated And then they could then leverage their potential as a physician and capitalize on their financial scenario as a physician and hopefully achieve the same success. And that really excited me. So that's kind of what
1: started it off for sure. And then um, you have the idea and you pivot to this platform in real estate. You know, we talked a lot about bigger pockets and, you know, surrounding yourself in a community. Who in the world did you surround yourself to build an education platform to go from that little town meetup to, to the internet. Absolutely, you and I have spoken about it a good bit, but I utilized
0: virtual assistants quite a bit for this role. And I was introduced to virtual assistants in the past using platforms like Upwork.com and Fiverr.com for different projects. So we, for our self-storage facility, we do some online management. We have an online call answering service and then have social media pages that represent that business. And I utilize virtual assistants initially for that purpose. So in the beginning, I knew I was going to be leaning on that resource quite a bit and started trying to figure out how can I manage somebody who's across the world in a different time zone and possibly a different language? And am I comfortable and ready to navigate that? So that was probably step number one and has been really valuable. And I'm still trying to navigate it. I have not perfected it by any means. Step number next was to find a platform that I felt I could navigate comfortably that was a reasonable price that presented an end product to people that uh, would convince them that this was a quality product and I think there are multiple options out there I settled on kajabi.com but I wanted the web to the web page to load quickly and efficiently I wanted to be able to have only my branding present so it seemed like we were presenting a good healthy product for so that there was value in that I wanted to know that we could manipulate things, and the sites would load well. Um, and we've been very successful and had had a lot of positive feedback with regards to the presentation of the webpage. And I still think that's that's something that is a moving target. We're continuing to work on it, but it's allowed me to learn a ton. And I'm hopeful that I can still lean on those those resources we just spoke about. I have somebody who's working on my social media ads as we speak, it's really interesting to know that there are people all over the world who are very, very well versed in this sort of thing. And you can you can confidently lean on them for their expertise. And I've been successful in the ad space. I'm about to have somebody taking over my social media, kind of posting regularly to get our content out there in an effective um, and rapid manner. That's something that I tried to wear that hat initially and have not been very successful. And I am going to go ahead and say, whenever you decide that you're not successfully presenting something to the market, then you need to delegate it. And that's something that I'm in the process of doing now. Um, so it's, it's something that I'm working on and I've really enjoyed the process,
1: but, um, you know, we got a ways to go for sure. Yeah. learn. Yeah. Learn, implement, <laughs> revise, yeah. do it again. Test measure, get those KPIs, just like real estate, man. It's just, we're just going to do this in the education platform. Another cool thing about Kajabi too, is the way that they um, hold videos. So it's unique to that where you can just upload, not not necessarily directly, but you can have videos in there and other platforms don't really allow that. If you're on WordPress, you got to have a different storage for these things. Uh, WordPress, you could use uh, like YouTube embedded type videos, Uh, but Kajabi is great for that. Kajabi is very user-friendly. The interface, uh, to adjust, make different modules is also very cool. Integrations, uh, for. You talk about marketing squeeze page and, um, Mm. products, product pricing, that kind of stuff is really cool, but we won't bore everybody with that. I just definitely wanted to share that because that's a big piece. There's a lot of listeners out there that are, Hey, I've got an idea because I say it time and time again, we're all on our own journey. And on this journey, we have stacks of experiences, and we stand on those experiences and reach new opportunities. So all along the way, we got these little one-degree pivots. There's a lot of us that are moving to this platform, the, the internet platform, and it's just great to share those kind of things. Um, because really, in the how many times in the physician world do you get to talk about Kajabi and VAs and, you know, let alone real estate on top of all that? But the real thing, Frankie, the real meat and potatoes of all this is not what the how the copy or content looks when it comes out. It's the the subject matter itself. And the reason why this works, the reason why the Real Estate Investor MD works is because it's real. It's your real life experience and you're putting that together and sharing it with other people.
0: Exactly. I think I think that's definitely true. And I, the thing that was most difficult for me and probably is most difficult for a lot of people, and I feel like I navigated that pretty well early on, but it's that analysis paralysis, the fear of the unknown, the difficulty associated with taking the dive. Because no matter how much you learn and how much you read, there's a time where you got to step up and you got to make a move and you're going to have to make your first deal. Every single person who gets in real estate, who can call themselves a real estate investor, has made their first deal. And that involved overcoming that anxiety. And so my hope is that presenting the information in this sort of platform will allow people to see the deals that I did. We talk about the deals in detail, how I found them, who I talked to to get them, how I negotiated them, what were the numbers, what were my worries, how did I eventually come down to the binary yes or no, and was there any emotion involved? And what were my regrets? And we talk about that for every deal that I've, I've purchased and the deals that I didn't purchase that I've kicked myself about ever since. And I think that gives people a unique experience so that they know when I'm underwriting a single family house that it's been done before, I've watched the numbers, these numbers are similar and I can fairly safely say, if I step into this space, it's not gonna be a catastrophic failure, which will help people get in the game. And then all you have to do is develop that confidence and you can roll, which is nice.
1: Yeah, and <clears throat> leveraging the the content, the the uh, the platform to be able to lean back and understand, hey, I'm going to go for this, and I'm going to lean on uh, the the community. I'm going to lean on the copy. I'm going to lean on Frankie's experience here because I can stay towards the com- the conservative side of things, and even if I miss X, Y, and Z, I'm still going to fall within the criteria. Right. And that's the important part because everybody's going to make that first deal, but everybody's also going to make that first mistake, huh, Frankie? For sure. Tell us us about your first mistake. What was it? What was it like? Oh, kick in the stomach. Here we go. Yeah, I think probably one of my first mistakes was, it's fairly simple. I feel like we've gotten
0: lucky and I haven't made any real irrecoverable mistakes but I definitely have have sacrificed some earnest money because I emotionally got myself too far, too far along and wasn't able to recover that so I forfeited my earnest money luckily I didn't subsequently purchase the deal and and get upside down which is nice but um but having to do that definitely if I would have eliminated my emotion and we talk about that a good bit as well is trying to The way I underwrite deals now is I try to run the didactic and objective information from a number standpoint and a due diligence standpoint as much as I can and whittle everything down to check all the boxes until there's a single emotional decision at the end. So I can say, yes, I like it and it makes me feel good or no, I don't like it and it doesn't make me feel good. And so that makes the decision quite a bit easier. And if I would have implemented that early in my investing career, I probably would have held on to all my earnest money. But that's all right. I'm
1: willing to kind of burn that I say it all the time you know acquisitions is not emotional it's math it's math and whenever you fall in love with something or want something then you're going to find yourself in trouble some of the best times or yes the best losses are in the situations where we pay to play and you're going to get into more of this when you're doing commercial or bigger size deals when it's costing I've got to run studies I've got to you know maybe three types of uh uh What's it, the EPA uh, survey type things? I yeah. got to run surveys. I got to do all this in it's my amazing. 60 yeah. to 90 days. So that's a different game than the neighbor's house, right? right. The neighbor's house, what we do is we'll actually output my EMD out due after my due diligence period is through. So I won't even put cash on the table. And if I'm running, you know, we will do about five to eight offers every single day. Mm-hmm. And we've got, we've always got deals rolling. So if you think about it, if I, in the direct to seller world, I'm, I'm going to put a hundred dollars down as my EMD. Yeah. I'm going to make that deal that I like because if yeah. I've got 10, 20, 30 properties in contract, now I've got $10,000, $30,000 yeah. out in, in these single family homes. So right. just a little note there is to write the deal that works for you too. Right. Don't always fall back on the cookie cutter offers to say, Hey, this is my realtor told me that I've got to put, right. $10,000 down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Or just because I'm cash, I got to do a higher EM. No, you don't no. have to do yeah. anything. We do not We offer, do the same thing. Yeah. Write that <laughs> offer so it works for you. Stretch right. that out. I want to make sure I get through due diligence before I even have to worry about where the EMD is going. And I want to pick how much EMD I'm putting out. Absolutely. And that was something that I had to learn. You know, in the beginning, you have no idea. You're
0: just like, okay, oh. well, I just want you to consider me as a candidate. So here's my strong earnest money and please, you know, listen to me. I promise you, I'm, I deserve to be here. And so that was kind of a a little bit of, of where, you know, imposter syndrome, maybe I don't know if that's the correct application of that term, but I felt like I was getting involved early and didn't belong, but that's a little bit of the fake it till you make it. And I think Mm -hmm. if you can become as educated as you can from a terminology standpoint. Um, And with regards to the numbers, then you can get your way through those first few deals. And they don't have to be home runs. You know, we talk about hitting a single to right field. If you hit a bunch of singles to right field in the end, you're going to be doing just fine. So um, that's especially with the first one or two, you're trying to make sure that you don't have an irrecoverable failure, because if you have a slight win, then you're going to keep your momentum and it will teach you. You can kind of navigate those problems that you have on the front end and learn. I've learned every deal and I'm thankful that I've learned usually from things that actually ended up benefiting me. I haven't necessarily had a lot of hard losses yet
1: and um, I'm going to try to keep it rolling that way for sure. What I love about every deal is if there's a purpose, then there should be a process. And I'm just, man, especially working with VAs, I've got everything down to a process workflow and and really hashing that out. And now backfilling and operations um, in our company, Physician Wellness Systems is like, we're literally two hours a day, we're working on the business type stuff, going through workflows. And then yeah. every single deal you're learning because you're, hey, I'm gonna write it down. Next time I'm gonna check it. Next time after that, I would have somebody else do it to see how does it work. Once you start getting to that point, then you can delegate and pull away. And right. now you're creating this real estate investment business as opposed to being a property owner or, uh, yeah. you know, a landlord. Uh, I love it. There's so much to learn. There's so much to learn from having the right people around you, uh, genuine people, transparent. Uh, you know, we all have our our human nature challenges to deal with. But when you're surrounded by genuine people who, who want to share, who want to help you, not to help themselves, but to want to help you um it's it's just remarkable your growth is sh- sh- just shoots up it's been really nice it's been
0: a really fun opportunity and it's funny because my wife and I talked about this as a brainchild kind of you know a year and a half ago and here we are and I've already met so many people that have really excited me even more so than I expected in su- in very similar situations young physician families who have battled the similar struggles that struggles is relative. I mean I'm thankful for for how we do and I'm not in any sort of financial peril but the angst associated with the debt and the delayed kind of kind of recovery and they're in a similar situation and seeing them achieve that confidence and move into a game plan that they as a couple can enact, and it's just been really fun for me and really rewarding for me. So I'm hopeful to to keep the momentum so that I can help as many people as I can
1: do what we've been able to do. That's awesome. And that, um, just that hardship just with debt is like this storm cloud that weighs over you. And it's just like this nasty thing that hangs out there. Um, so if we can get together and help each other, find out ways to mitigate that, avoid it, um, find out ways to negotiate deals that work for us. I love that piece. Because even if you've got that cloud hanging over your head, guess what? We have solutions. We have ways that I can build relationships. I can put that deal on the table that works, even if this cloud is over my head. You know, So having the right conversations, having the right people around you is awesome. And let's talk about this. March 5th. So what I want to do, Frankie, is I want to I want to shoot this uh, episode up in the production schedule. So we okay. this way this gets out and the listeners can follow up on this webinar. It's a free webinar. It's called My Journey and Q&A Session. It's March 5th, 2024. Um, we can find this on realestateinvestormd.com. Tell us a little bit about what to expect on this webinar.
0: On this webinar, it'll give people who are interested, but maybe a little bit hesitant about coming and purchasing anything, I understand that that can be a big hurdle to overcome. It'll give me an opportunity to speak directly with those people interested. I'll tell a lot about my story. We'll talk about my deals and the the way we got involved and developed confidence initially. And then I'll give people who attend the opportunity to ask me questions directly about the hangups that they have and the the hurdles that they need help with in order to kind of get their momentum built. And, And hopefully that'll give people the confidence that that we'll be able to continue to communicate and can develop a relationship from there. And um, obviously, I would love for people to convert on the course if they think it would help them. Uh, It is something that can be pitchy and feel a little spammy and scammy. So I'm hopeful that that'll help me develop a relationship with interested parties so that they know that, yes, I've put a ton of time into this and a ton of work into it over the last year and a half. So I would love for that to have some sort of return for me. But I do believe it offers a fantastic value package for people who don't want to listen to 250 hours of podcast episodes, because not everybody is ready to do that. They're not ready to to read all the books and get as, as informed as they can with the sweat equity required to get there. And if they can bypass a lot of that, since our time is our most valuable resource. I would love to be a gateway uh, for them to be able to do that. And so I think this is the first step to kind of formulating that touch point and formulating that confidence th- so they'll know that when they do come and utilize me as a resource, they're going to get a certain product and a certain mentality that's, that's available and open and ready to generate a relationship moving forward.
1: So, so far with the platform, Real Estate Investor MD, um, what is a typical position, a typical client coming in, what's their biggest fear? The biggest fear is
0: knowledge. They fear that they don't have the appropriate knowledge acquisition or knowledge database to allow them to step out and actually do it. A lot of them are more comfortable with the passive investing opportunities like syndications or even private equity because it allows somebody else who knows how to do it to do it. Provide the same level of returns. They have their great own return potential in and of themselves, but uh, that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed is that people will come to me and say, "Hey, I'm interested in real estate. I've listened to some podcast episodes, but I feel like I need somebody to really kind of hold my hand and get me into the game." And now that would be more of a coaching kind of relationship. But what I will do is I I have done plenty of coaching relationships thus far, but I try to let people know that they don't need me one on one to be able to have the confidence to do it. They can can reference somebody who's been through it before and develop that confidence on their own. And it can just be that first little step to help them understand that their ability to generate knowledge momentum has been there all along. It just maybe took this little step to get them there.
1: And then the clients leaving the program, what's been the biggest win, the biggest takeaway for them? So the clients leaving the program have just
0: been that it armed them with this informational database that they could then go back and reference throughout the entire process. One of the things that I've had them say over and over is they just appreciated that we talked about the deal flow. And I think a lot of that is what hangs people up. They don't know how to submit an offer or who to contact about an accountant for real estate or who to talk to about the tax implications of the decision making. How do you manage them? How do you get a tenant involved? How do you, the, every little step of the way provides these questions of anxiety and limits their ability to move forward. And this just addresses those sort of baby step by baby step. And I think that's been what people have been most thankful for. It's not necessarily that it's rocket science or it's information people can't look up on their own, it just presents it in a manner that allows them to digest
1: it slowly and then reference it throughout the process and develop that confidence. Hey, you and I did not create, make up, find, discover real estate. Yeah, Nor do I want to pretend like I I did it myself. Absolutely not. No, we didn't. We didn't do any of that. But I tell you what, we both do it and we record what we do and, you know, test and measure and I like to think that we both love to share and help other people. I think that's the biggest difference. I have a chore for you, Frankie. Are you ready? I'm ready. I would, last time you were on, we kind of joked around and I asked for your wife to come on the show. (laughs) I want you to invite your wife to the show. And what I would love to do is I'm going to invite my wife to the show and they're going to have an episode together without us because you know what? They know how much they've done behind us, right? In front of us, all around us. You and I both. We wouldn't be here without them. So wouldn't Absolutely that be a not. fun episode? It would be awesome. Now, I'll try to, I've been whittling away at her. Last time I talked to her about it, she actually was more open-minded than I yeah. than I expected. My um, wife's name is Erin. So I'll start whittling away at her. And man, right. we could put that out. Erin and so Anna. Have man, an they're awesome conversation it. and just, just let it all fly out. That would, be, that would be awesome. I would love
0: watching that myself just to yeah. see, you know. <laughs> Oh, it could be dangerous. I know,
1: right? No, (laughs) no filters. Just let them go so the listeners can hear. It'll be fun. It's crazy.
0: That's been one of the most fun things for me is watching... You know, we actually talk in the course about how to convince your wife to entertain this as a, as an, a road you want to go down. Because yeah. that's a, the part of the process, or your significant other partner. That's yeah. part of the process for most people. Is you have one person who is interested, maybe a little more risk tolerant, and then you have somebody else who's a little more risk averse and not necessarily interested. And we definitely had that. And over time, she started to understand that. These are the things that are going to benefit us financially in the future, and she started to understand the numbers and the intangibles and the due diligence and the confidence. And so now we're a great sort of punch counter punch because she is more risk averse. So I'll come in feeling flying high, feeling confident, pitch <laughs> it to her, and if I can convince her that this is a good way to go, then most likely we're probably going to be okay yep. because she is that sort of check rein for me. But it's been a really
1: nice partnership that's developed. And we're going to read the benefits for sure. Yeah, 100%. I think that would be an awesome, awesome episode. So be fun. Uh, the other thing that I enjoy watching is that uh, the the relationship, the diversity, the complexity, because with our company, Physician Well Systems, we're done for you. We do 12 properties, in 12 months. Uh, we find them, buy them, rent, renovate them, uh, help the wow. client get refinanced, get them stabilized, property management, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It cost to do that, right? Yeah. Because we do all that for you. We set up the business. We talk about all these systems, processes, integrations, automation. Awesome. There's a lot that goes into that, buddy. Yeah. But when I have these conversations with with prospects, with potential clients, and you know, just seeing if it's a good fit, watching that uh, play between husband and wife or between partners is like. Oh my goodness, because you've thought about this for years and you're getting to a point where you're, you're considering it, but just watching the, the, the difference between the two people and how they assess the situation. And you're talking about getting past a trust wall. It is that, I mean, we're talking, Hey, we're, we're going to make life-changing moves here in the next 12 months. Are you ready? Buckle up because it's going to happen. And that's a huge part of it. We're in it. Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that your partner is one hundred percent in with you, because if you're not, you're not only going to be fighting the market and fighting other buyers and fighting bad relationships with contracts, whatever it may be. If you're fighting each other, it's not good. It's not right. good at all. Makes it so much harder. So
0: yeah. I agree hundred percent. I think that episode would be hilarious. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it's a really valuable thing for for couples and families because it's a tough, it's a tenuous conversation to have knowing that we're still a team, even when things are hard, because it's easy to be like, I told you I didn't want to do this or what, you know, and that can be a sort of a, a sword that's brought to the surface a lot. And I think if you can figure out ways to navigate that on the front end, uh, by even talking to other couples who've been through it before, but I've networked with people who are in their seventies, who have bought and sold real estate their whole lives. And you'll talk to those couples and they have very similar you know, memories about how that started. And so I hope
1: Anna and I will have those memories in our seventies too. And hopefully this doesn't break us. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no, man. Yeah. It it makes you stronger. And I always joke around. Um, The real test to a marriage, the real test to a relationship is to renovate your house or to flip a house or, you know, I mean, it is it is a whole new world. But, hey, man, let's let's tell you what, let's wrap this up so we can go ahead and make our own notes and try to talk our wives into coming to tell the real story behind uh, Real Estate Investor MD and Real Estate Mogul MD. The real story, maybe the ladies can do that. But I just want to thank you again for your time. Uh, Let's definitely stay in touch and whatever we can do uh, at Real Estate Mogul MD Physician Wealth Systems to help you get out in front of everybody, whatever we can do, we're here and we just appreciate your time and everything you're doing for the community. Thank you, man. I've really enjoyed getting
0: to know you and I appreciate the time. I look forward to speaking to you in the future. And I'll, I'll send you a message in about
1: two weeks, probably after I've whittled her down enough. We'll there we it. go. Get Anna, a- Anna and Aaron together. No, thanks again. Well, everybody out there, I hope that you've enjoyed this wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation here today. Don't wait. Get out realestateinvestormd.com. Check out that platform. And the webinar uh, is March 5th. So you can jump on there and you can get a hold of Frankie on there as well, too. Uh, let us know. And he mentioned it earlier that time is is your most important asset. I want to double down on time and say that attention is is even greater and if you listen to this show often you'll hear me say it a lot I, i'm super grateful for your attention the seed is planted whether it's real estate being an entrepreneur carrying on growing in your life with your family your relationships your attention is so important and thank you for giving that to us today and until the next one this is real estate mogul md thank you so much bam how about
0: nice. that
1: thank you yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Sorry about my dog barking, man. Dad oh, knows. it's all right. Nobody all ever right. even knows. it. So what would be real cool is if you take the, uh, so what we'll do is we'll clip the front end and back end, but then put the raw up into Decipher and okay. see how much content that you just spewed out right now and you can give it to your VAs. Awesome. I really appreciate that because I need help on that front for sure. Yeah.
0: You yeah. definitely have figured it out. Um, and I think- that could be a unique thing for me to be able to optimize as we move forward. The other thing I'd love to talk to you about, man, I know you got everything rolling on, on the, on the, with your, your business from that standpoint, but if I end up, putting a physician fund together and you feel like you you could benefit from having a single source of money coming in for that sort of thing, I'd love to maybe consider a partnership arrangement later. You may have a big a pool of investors that where your capital is not your limiting factor, which is fine, but we're considering doing that. I have about 30 orthopedic surgeons that are ready to, you know, move a hundred grand a year. Um, right. And that'd be something that we could then,
1: you know, negotiate with lenders and leverage up and make some things happen. So, yeah, and what we're doing, the first thing that pops into my mind is kind of like the uh uh personalized hedge fund. That's basically what we are, yeah, so if we do for each client do twelve properties in twelve months, we're basically a hedge fund because we're right. setting up the process for them, the relationships, and uh implementing that uh, economies of scale. But one of the things we've thought about too is like, okay, well, we are actually a hedge fund, so we have the ability to have the cri- the buy criteria. We've got the team in place to source these deals and then could even pop them off after they're stabilized. Yeah. So if we go in, we could buy 10, 20, 30, 50 houses and stabilize them in the, you know, and the idea is to move them to the physicians as they come along. So that's one idea when we think about money, if we're thinking about you know, a million, two million, five million, or whatever, having this, because we'll come across these deals, you know, we'll come across yeah. hundred house deals and just having the team and the relationship and the community set in place, uh, is really important. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool, man. Awesome. Well, you're doing awesome, man. I, I just podcast. Like it from the outside, you're man. Till my wife gets on the show. Then we'll really know how well. For we're sure. Doing, we, I will too, man. It'd be so funny. <laughs> oh, uh, it'll be, it could be a bloodbath. I have no idea. Yeah. We'd have yeah. to find out. It's interesting. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your night. Uh, we'll be in touch. I'm going to squeeze this one, uh, see if we can get with the production team, see how soon we can squeeze this in so we can get some uh, movement okay. going towards that webinar. Okay. Sounds great, man. Thanks for your All time. Right. Yeah, man. Have a good night. Appreciate it. See you. All right, bye bye.